0: a college ministry, and uh, asked to to share from the Psalms this morning. So we're going to continue in our summer series of the Psalms, looking at Psalm 51 this morning. uh, And for those of you who know Psalm 51, it's probably the most uh, famous Psalm of confession of sin. And so this morning, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the topic of sin uh, which is a great way to start a beautiful summer morning uh, looking at that topic. Um, but I think especially in our cultural moment, in our cultural context, uh, having an understanding of sin is actually critical. Um, I think a lot of us, myself included, uh, can get confused uh, by, by what it means and, and the implications for our lives uh, and what God has to say about it. Um, so let me pray and we'll jump in. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Uh, Thank you for this uh, psalm uh, and what it has to teach each of us, Lord. Uh, I pray that you would uh, bless uh, this morning into each of our lives, that we would uh, come away with a little bit deeper understanding of this idea of sin, how it affects each of us, and what the solution is. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, the last few weeks, I've spent a lot of time looking at this psalm, and the, the, one of the big takeaways for me is David, in this psalm, uh, has an incredibly deep understanding of what sin is. Uh, sin, in this psalm, is not just this surfacey thing, like being mean to someone when you're driving your car. Uh, rather, David goes all the way down to his soul. Uh, He sees that sin has affected him in deeper ways than maybe he ever imagined. And I I think for us, uh, you know, maybe some of us have seasons of life where we recognize sin in that way, uh, that it's this almost cancer that affects us uh, and needs to be rooted out by God's Holy Spirit each and every day. Um, Sometimes I think that we, we don't see sin that way. Uh, we don't necessarily see its effect. Uh, we might see it in more of a simplistic way. In fact, this, is, this has been a problem uh, throughout the history of the church, this idea of, of maybe not seeing sin in an accurate way and, and uh, it leading to, to negative consequences. I think of uh, Matthew, Matthew 15, and Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, uh, and, and they say, oh, you know, don't don't eat that food. Uh, it's going to make you sinful. It's going to defile you. Uh, or wash those hands so that you don't become sinful. Um, and, and Jesus says to them, you don't understand. It's, it's not about the food coming into you. It's not about uh, beeping your horn at someone when they don't put their blinker on. Um, it's not about being mad at the Democrats or mad at the Republicans. Um, it's, it's something far more profound. Um, out of the heart, he says, out of the heart comes lust, evil desire, murder. Out of the heart. And in that day, the heart was this idea of the essence of who you are. Um, so sin has actually affected us deeper and in more profound ways than I think we often uh, want to admit or, or care to, to see. Um, and, and so this morning, we're just going to walk through that. Um, it ends in a very hopeful way. Uh, Psalm 51 ends in a hopeful way, and I, I think our message this morning ends in, in a really hopeful way. So uh, hang on to that as we explore this idea of sin. So if you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 51. We're only going to read the first half of it. Um, So David writes have mercy on me o god because of your unfailing love because of your great compassion blot out the stain of my sins wash me clean from my guilt purify me from my sin for i recognize my rebellion it haunts me day and night against you and you alone have i sinned i have done what is evil in your sight Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Now the context of this is that David uh, famously had committed adultery uh, with Bathsheba and then he sent her husband to the front line of the battle so that he would die. Uh, so that's, that's not a good day uh, for anybody, uh, especially for a king of God's people to behave in this way. But what I found interesting about Psalm 51 is, is David, he doesn't name those specific sins. Uh, that's implied in this. As you read this, you recognize what's haunting him day and night. Well, it's what, probably what he's done with Bathsheba and then with Uriah. Uh, but even more, David recognizes it's not just about these particular behaviors. Um, sin is, is repentance, turning from sin, sin itself, is not just these particular sins, even though they were egregious uh, that I committed, and I'm owning the fact that I committed those, but I have a greater, much greater problem than that. And you see it in two significant ways in this verse. You see. In verse 5, he says, I was born a sinner. So what does that mean? Do you think all of us maybe were born that way? Um, Do you think any of you who have had an infant recognize they're, they're probably not aware yet of how to make sinful decisions and how to behave in a sinful way? Yet David says, from the moment I was born, I was what? a sinner. Sin had affected me. Sin was already in me and was going to wreak havoc on my life and the life of others down the road. So that's the first thing. The sin problem is not just these external behaviors. It's, it's actually part of, our, part of our DNA. It's not all that we are, but it is part of our DNA. The second thing is you see this idea of sin almost polluting and corrupting his very soul, So the behaviors were done out here, but you see that the effect of these sins actually pollute, corrupt, uh, defile David on the inside. How do I know that? Look at verses like verse 7. Purify me. Purify me and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. So the image you get here is David sees, not only have I sinned out here, but inside I feel disgusting. I feel dirty. I need someone to clean me from the inside out. And so when you see in the psalm, he's asking God not just to forgive his behavior, which is critical, and all of us need that in our life, but he's asking for something deeper. He's asking that sin itself in him would slowly get healed, restored, cleansed. It's really a beautiful picture. And why is this important? Some of you may say, okay, I get it. Sin's a big deal. But but why does it it matter? Why does it matter for me in my own life? And why does it matter for us as a church? The reason it's important is that if we have an oversimplified view of sin, there's negative consequences in our own life, and in our life as a church. Let me give you an example of that. In our cultural moment, do you guys think that people are generally, do people think people are generally good or generally bad? Raise your hand if you think people think people are generally good. None of you have been on a university campus, I can tell, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, um, or in a public school setting, but um, no, I, I think by and large, uh, if you look at the news outlets and uh, different things, uh, people people are seen as generally good. Now, of course, we highlight people who are bad, and they tend to make the news, but, but those are just the bad examples. Everyone else tends to be good. And so because that's the air we breathe, I think as individuals, we have a hard time seeing the depth of our sin, I don't think it's natural to want to admit that or want to think about that. Uh, I I think it's much easier, if I'm honest, throughout the day to think, yeah, I'm generally good, and I'll do some bad things here and there, but come on, it's not not that big of a deal. When we live an unaware life like that, when we don't recognize this idea like David that we were born sinners, that sin actually uh, goes down deep, uh, defiles, uh, makes us dirty, um, I think that we, we tend to leave a awake uh, 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 in relationships in our life. Uh, the, the sin in us comes out and hurts people, um, and as we're going a- a- along life, I think we tend to, to hurt people in ways we're not even aware, uh, and, and everyone else sees it in us, but we don't tend to, to see it in ourselves. I think in relationships with other people, uh if if someone's acting in a sinful way or or gossiping or or they're not very kind or uh you know we they're doing something that we don't really like if we just see sin in a simplistic way i think we have a tendency to say you know just knock it off uh get your act together uh you, you know you're so immature uh you're you know I, rather than seeing the problem as much deeper uh, being patient with people, being gracious with people, praying for people, uh, we tend to make snap judgments uh, against people. And this, this dynamic isn't just with sin. Um, this idea of oversimplification over of, of, of things in our life um, and, it's, and its consequences. Let me give you a couple examples that I thought about this week where this, this also plays out. Have any of you ever had a job... And your boss asks you to do some sort of a project. And you really don't know what to do. Uh, and you're going along, and you're trying to complete the task. Uh, but it's, you're finding it incredibly complicated. Uh, and your boss, you can tell, doesn't really uh, think you know what you're doing. And, but you feel like, well, you didn't really give me the tools I need to complete this. And you can tell he's judging you or she's judging you. And so the boss is, you know, she's giving you a task that's way beyond your ability or your experience. Um, has anyone ever had that happen? And, uh, you know, the boss's solution, because again, they're oversimplifying the task they gave you, uh, they, you know, they're just judging you in their mind, saying, this, this employee is not really cut out for this, Uh, you know, they clearly need more school or they, you know, and you're all internally the whole time you're saying, this task you gave me doesn't make any sense. You've given me no direction, uh, no oversight, and I want you to recognize that, but the boss is unwilling to do that. And in those moments as the employee, we want the boss to recognize how complicated the situation is, the task they've given us. uh, To come alongside us with compassion. To come alongside us and say, you know what, I recognize what I asked you to do is actually incredibly complex. Uh, How how can I help you be successful? Do you need other teammates involved in this? Do you need a longer deadline uh, to complete it? Do you need another training that I can work with you on? So this idea of compassion The second one that comes to mind is a parent and a a toddler. Now, some of us uh, have toddlers that are pretty easygoing, pretty chill, and I'm thankful for you. Um, Some of us do not have that experience. And I think in moments when we're out and about and our child is acting up and having a temper tantrum in the airport or at the restaurant, we know people are looking at us, and they're oversimplifying the situation. They're judging us. They're saying, oh, they're just, they're just bad parents. Uh, they, they don't know how to handle this kid. Um, they need maybe a, a parenting class, uh, or, you know, they need to, maybe they need to spank. Maybe they need to discipline. And we as parents recognize when we're being judged in that way rather than the person seeing how incredibly complicated a human being is, how complicated parenting is, what we would prefer rather than just a snap judgment of my child is sitting here behaving, yours is wiggling on the floor, why doesn't your child just act like mine? We don't want that kind of response. What we want as a parent is someone to come alongside us and say, Parenting, life, children, so complicated. Um, you know, what, what, do you, what, what do you need to be successful? How can we pray for you? How can we encourage you in this? Do you want us to take your child so you can have a date night? We're not going to fix anything. We're not going to, you know, pretend like we know all the answers. We're just going to have compassion. We're going to come near you because we recognize that this situation is unbelievably complex and deep. It's not simple. The last example is mental health. So for those of us who know what it's like to struggle with chronic anxiety, chronic depression, um, we don't want simple answers from people. We don't want statements like, just don't worry. Um, Why don't you just get out of bed like the rest of us? You just have to trust God. Um, People who struggle chronically with these things know it's not that simple. It just isn't. What we want is someone to come alongside of us and say, I recognize the situation you're in is incredibly complex, much deeper than I even understand. Um, But I, I believe that you're feeling this way. And that, of course, no one would want to feel this way. And so you've tried everything you can. What do you need from me? And I think someone in that situation, myself included, would say, I need your compassion. I need your patience. I need you to see it through the long haul. These examples point to this idea of sin because, again, I think for any of us in this room who struggle with sin, and we know it, Um, What we don't want is someone in the church coming alongside of us with a snap judgment saying, just get your act together. Stop looking at that. Stop acting like that. Stop sinning. What we want is people to recognize that this issue goes much deeper than just the behavior you're seeing. That these issues of sin affect all of us in different ways, and it plays itself out in different ways, but all of us need compassion. We need healing. We need people to be with us for the long haul with these struggles. So, how do we, how do we grow in this? How do we, for some of us, the struggle may be, you haven't really done a self-inventory in a while. Um, you know, you've, you've seen yourself as generally good, you haven't really gone deep in your life and, and looked at some of this sin in your own life. Um, what, how, do we, how do we grow in this? How do we start to see ourselves like David sees himself? And what's our hope? The first step is if you look at verse 1 again, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Now, the readers of this in the first, the first century, who've been, you know, early, early Near East, who would have read this, when it talks about God's unfailing love and great compassion, all of the readers would have initially gone to Exodus 34 in their mind. And this is where God reveals Himself in His glory to Moses. And he tells Moses what? He says, I am the God of compassion, slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving iniquity. God's revealing the essence of who he is as a God of compassion, a God of mercy, a God of forgiveness. If any of us start looking deeper into who we are in terms of sin, and again, sin is not who we are as we'll come to see at the end, but as we are willing to look deep down, to see the sinfulness in our own heart, which, by the way, as we do that, as we are willing to admit, even as Christians, we still have sin in our life that affects us in significant, deep, profound ways. It makes us more compassionate with those around us. I actually think the healthiest churches are full of people who recognize this aspect of their life, who aren't afraid to go there, who aren't afraid to admit it. But the only way you can effectively go on that journey internally and to see your sin that's there, like David did in Psalm 51, is to recognize who our God is. That's the only way. If you start trying to do more deep dive into who you are and recognize the sinful patterns and behaviors and thoughts, uh, without knowing who God is, it's going to crush you. It's going to crush you. I do, this, I do this thing in college campuses where I'm a, I minister. And, I'll, and someone will tell me, I think people are generally good. I'll say, okay. Uh, so this is what I do. I'll like go in the cafeteria or in the, the union. There's a screen like this, let's say. And I'll say to them, okay, here's a screen. Our, and there's all these people around, okay, hundreds of people, like this, this church here. As a good person, are you willing to plug in... To this screen, so that everyone who's walking by here all day can see your thoughts, can see the images that go through your mind. And by the way, would any of you be willing to do that? But what's interesting, I've done this many times, I've never had someone say yes. Christian, non Christian, doesn't matter. I've never had someone say, I'm more than willing. To, to plug into that screen so everyone can see my inner life all day long. And that's what sin is it's this darkness, it's this shame, it's these things that we're frankly embarrassed by, ashamed of. So if you start going to those places without a God who's full of compassion, full of mercy, full of forgiveness, it's going to completely overwhelm you. But if we go there like David does, you see how he starts the psalm? It's beautiful. He starts the psalm with the character of God. He's about to do a deep dive into his life. David's about to say, I am full of sin. I need to be washed. I need to be cleaned. I need to be made pure. I feel dirty, dark, and disgusting. I need you to wash me on the inside. Before he does that deep dive, he states who his God is. A God of mercy. A God of compassion. And we have to do the same thing. For me, this makes the cross of Jesus so much more beautiful as I think about this. Because again, if we don't have a profound sense of what sin is, that it's part of our DNA, that it's this cancer that corrupts us deep down, that it causes inside of us things we're so ashamed of and so perplexed by that none of us would be willing to show our inner life that Jesus Christ, when it says, Scripture says, he took on sin, he became sin for us, it literally means that all of that stuff that I talk about on this screen, all of that brokenness, all of those impulses, all of those images, all of those desires that we're so ashamed of and fearful of in our lives, Jesus Christ actually took on himself on the cross. The great exchange, as some theologians call it, All that stuff in us, all that stuff in King David, all that stuff in you and I, this thing we call sin, this brokenness, this cancer that affects each one of us, was actually taken from us into the body of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's almost too good to imagine, right? That Jesus Christ, the only one in human history, by the way, who could easily say, absolutely, I'll plug my inner life into that screen. Jesus Christ is the only one throughout human history who could do that. And all we would see on his screen is purity, beauty, loveliness, gentleness, kindness, goodness. That's all we'd see as you look at his inner life. He himself was the one who was willing to take our filth onto himself on the cross. And it gets better. Because all of that separated him from the Father, all of that caused him to die for us. That sin literally killed him. But he rose from the dead on the third day, as we know. He rose from the dead, overcoming that sin. And as a Christian now, our hope is that he sends the Holy Spirit into our heart. King David, as he's talking about this idea of purify me, wash me, he's foreshadowing what would come at Pentecost. In fact, he writes in a way that is unique in the Old Testament. The Old Testament language usually wasn't written like this, but he's, he's, he's pointing us to a day when the Holy Spirit would come at Pentecost and the Spirit of the living God himself would actually come into the heart of his people. And what would the Holy Spirit do? What do we know of his ministry in us? The Holy, what does he do in our hearts? He washes us. He purifies us. He cleanses us. He crucifies that sin in us. So yes, sin is still part of the life of every Christian. And I encourage all of us to have a deeper sense of what that is. Because the more we know about that, the more we recognize that, the better we are to be around. I hate to say it that way, but if we're totally unaware of that stuff, everyone else sees it, by the way. Everyone else already knows it. But the more willing we are to admit we are still just, we're trying to get through day by day. We're trying to see this sin overcome in our life. It's still there. Praise God, there will be a day when we get resurrected with new bodies that don't have this sin in us. But for now, we're all in this together, by the way. The more we recognize that sin, the more compassionate we are to one another. The more patient we are with one another, the more gentle we are with one another. And praise God that each and every day the Holy Spirit is the one who actually does purify and wash us white as snow. So my encouragement this morning for us individually and us as a church, maybe recognize one issue in your life. What's what's one tendency of your heart that feels really broken? Uh, Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's fear. Um, maybe it's envy. Um, maybe it's discontent. Maybe it's, maybe it's a desire to turn from the way of God back to your old life. Whatever it is, um, ask God. Maybe ask someone else that we have a, a prayer time coming to. Um, that God would deeply, deeply work in this area of your life. And that others would come and be an encouragement to you in that. There's no quick fixes in the Christian life. We're all on this long journey together. Um, But maybe today would be the first day we would actually share for the first time this area of struggle with someone. And if you're here, and this is all new to you, you wouldn't. We wouldn't call yourself a Christian, and you might be offended by what I shared. I'm more than willing to talk to you. Um, I'm I'm in a journey as well. I hope I'm a safe person to talk to. But your hope is also Jesus Christ. Just like Christians hope of being pured and washed from our ongoing sin, our hope is Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit in us, cleansing us, renewing us. Your hope is also the Holy Spirit coming into your life, cleansing you, and washing you. And I'd love to talk to you about that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this psalm. Thank you for King David's a vulnerability to talk about sin in such a deep way. Uh, Lord, to say that we are all born sinners, that is so unpopular to say in America right now, but it's true. Um, and Lord, thank you that he was willing to talk about sin in, in such a, a deep way that it's this idea of, it actually uh, goes down deep and, and, and um, corrupts us and, and defiles us, and we need the Holy Spirit of God to root that stuff out to purify us, to cleanse us. Um, Lord, we do pray that each of us would experience more and more freedom, more and more healing, uh, more and more of of, uh, the life to come where we're going to be in new bodies that have no sin. And Jesus, we await that day with great anticipation when uh, we won't feel sin anymore, and that is going to be a joyful day. And uh, thank you, Jesus, that you are the great hero of this story that you took this sin upon yourself on the cross and you overcame it in the resurrection. We praise you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.